So I would, like Stuart said, I'm not going to be yelling at you, I'm going to be yelling to you. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, I'm just going to stop there. Alright, so the passage of scripture I'm going to be reading from this morning is a really, really familiar passage if you grew up going to church. If you grew up, well, not all churches, but if you grew up going to what is called a mainline church, which means uh, any church that's on the main line of the rail route going through Philadelphia. <laughs> Did you know that, Philadelphians? Yeah, and so uh, that means like Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Episcopalian, all those kinds. Um, in those churches on this day, historically, we read this passage or one of these passages. I'm going to be re reading from Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 29 and ending with verse 40. Oh, God. As Jesus came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there, and when you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, it's Master Needs it. And those who had been sent found it exactly as he said. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, It's Master Jesus. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would cry out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. So I don't typically title my sermons for a couple of reasons. The main one being I'm not good at naming things, and so I just don't do it. But this one has two titles. The first title is Bring What You've Got. Because bring what you've got, even if it's a donkey, bring what you've got. The second title is a play on words from the King James version of this story. And it's I'm not the messenger, I'm just the ass that carries the message. <laughs> because my favorite character in this story is the donkey. Man, I love this donkey. I love the whole idea of the donkey being tied up and, and Jesus saying to two people, go into the village ahead of us, you're going to find a donkey tied up or a colt that's never been ridden and untie it. And when people ask you why you're doing that, just tell them the master needs it. And then it happens, and I, I can't, who are those people? Who are those people who walk outside and see somebody getting in their car 
hot wiring it. <laughs> and they say, hey, what are you doing? And, and then somebody says, oh, the master needs it. And they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> I have all kinds of stories in my head about them. But I think what really was going on is it was some kind of subversive act that Jesus had gone ahead and set up. And he knew that these people were going to be okay with it, but I like my version of it better. <laughs> this story, this, this Palm Sunday story, the, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem at the beginning of the last week of his life is attested to in all four Gospels. And you may be like, oh, big deal. Why does that matter? It matters because there's a practice within biblical historians and, and biblical scholars to try to find out which of these stories. So we, we keep history different than biblical writers kept history. If you look at a history of 9-11, you will find that at this day, on this time, this thing happened, and five minutes later, this thing happened, and 45 seconds later, this other thing happened. We keep, we keep history for accuracy. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that accuracy is the same thing as truth. Well, biblical writers don't think of it that way. They think of truth as being the highest part, and accuracy isn't necessarily as big of a deal. And so sometimes we'll be reading the Bible, and we want to get to an argument about the accuracy of the story, and we miss the truth of the story for arguing the accuracy. And so one of the things that biblical scholars do is they try to figure out which of the stories in the Bible actually happened. And one of the ways they do that when it comes to the life of Jesus in the Gospels is called multiple attestation. If something is attested to or written about more than one time, a lot of biblical scholars will give it more credibility. I don't necessarily think that's as big of a deal as they do, but listen to this. These are the stories that we know that are part of our culture, not just part of Christianity. They seep their way into our culture that are not attested to as many times as the story of Palm Sunday. Christmas does not make it into all four Gospels. The story of Mary being pregnant and going into Bethlehem and not finding a place in the inn does not make it into all four Gospels. The shepherds don't make it into all four Gospels. That whole Christmas scene only happens in two Gospels. The Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught people to pray, that every football team in North America that's superstitious prays as fast as they can pray it, even that prayer didn't make it into all four Gospels. The parable of the Good Samaritan, the prodigal, prodigal son, they only appear in one gospel. The Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, two gospels for the Beatitudes. But the Palm Sunday story, all four gospels. I was going to argue against 2,000 years of church history this morning and try to make the case that this is actually the birthday of the church and not Pentecost, but I like to win, and so I didn't. <laughs> but I wonder if somehow we miss the point, if we don't put enough emphasis 
on this particular Sunday, and I wonder why we don't. My theory is this. We don't like this story that much because we've heard the shame sermon too many times. You know the gospel of shame is this. Oh, they were happy to wave their palms in the air and shout Hosanna on Sunday, but on Friday they were shouting crucify. Okay. But think about this story. Think about the reality of it. The thing I love about the Holy Week stories is that they're earthy. You can feel them. You can smell them. You can hear it. You can, it's a real story. Like it, it, it feels like it's an HB almost. It's not hard to add flesh to the bones of it. So let me set the scene for you a little bit. Think about New Orleans. Los Angeles or Atlanta, any of the towns that typically host the Super Bowl on Super Bowl week. Hotel prices go through the roof. You can't find an Airbnb to save your life. You can tell who the tourists are by the clothes they're wearing and the bags that they're carrying. And there are way more street musicians than there ever have been before. And vendors on every corner trying to sell something to you. Some sort of Super Bowl paraphernalia. That was Holy Week in Jerusalem in ancient times. People would come from a, it was a pilgrimage to get there. It was a life's dream and goal to be in Jerusalem for Passover. And so they were there. Everybody was coming into town. It was a big deal. You wanted to be there because every celebrity you've ever wanted to see was going to be there that day, that week. But the other people were, who were there were the extra police forces. Because any time that there's a major event happening in a city, police officers from other places come in to try to keep the peace, you know, like Lubbock, Texas doesn't know how to win on a Final Four. You tear the city up when you win the championship, Lubbock. They needed extra police forces around. And in ancient Jerusalem, they would have been Roman soldiers. And they would have polished up their chest plates to show off that eagle that they're so proud of. And their helmets would have been super shiny. Their swords would have been extra sharp. They were ready. And they were everywhere. And all of a sudden, a crowd starts to gather outside of one of the walls of the city and they hear a bunch of noise. And you can imagine that some of them ride their war horses out there to see what's going on. And some of them, because they're too low ranking, they don't have a horse and so they walk out. And maybe they're standing by the city gates, guarding the gates, and they're watching these peasants scream and yell, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest! And these people are freaking out. They're throwing their clothes on the ground in front of some rabbi who's riding a donkey that he couldn't even get up on by himself because they had stacked so many clothes on top of it for him to ride on. And they were waving palm branches and they were throwing them down. It was as if he were a king, a conquering king, entering the city. Imagine that scene. It's not hard to picture. You've seen the movies.
what is intriguing to me is that on Palm Sunday, this throng of disciples that we read about in Luke, including some Pharisees, by the way, did you catch that? That there were Pharisees that were part of the crowd, and they were scared. They were saying, Jesus, tell everybody to be quiet. Look on the hill. The Romans, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus says, I can't. They won't anyway, because even if I tell them to be quiet, the rocks will cry out because of what's about to happen. But the truth of it is, it's not because of what is about to happen. It's because of what has happened. Because we're told by Luke, they praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. Up until this point, they were just observers. Some of the things they saw were Jesus kisses a leper. When he kissed the leper, what, what, what was their expression? Use your, as the African-American church called your sanctified imagination. What were these bystanders doing and thinking? What was their expression when Jesus kisses a leper whose skin is slumping off of his face or her face? How did they react when they heard him say to rich people, the last shall be first and the first shall be last in the kingdom of God? My guess is they were looking to see who was there and who was watching and was their name being written down because who would ever say that sort of thing? What about the time that he defends a prostitute? Or the, or the time that they catch a woman in adultery and bring her to him for his judgment. I don't know where the man was, but they bring her to him and they say, Jesus, what should we do? And he says, look, whoever's here without sin, you throw the first stone. You can hear the sound of stones hitting the ground. They were observing all of this. When he says, take up your mat and walk, do you want to be healed? Get up. When he looks up in the tree and he sees Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree, a small, short guy, and Jesus says, let's go to your house and, and hang out for a while. And because of that, they get to see Zacchaeus say, Lord, everything that I owe to someone, I'm going to pay it back even, like, way more than I owe them. And they hear Jesus proclaim salvation on this man. A tax collector. The worst the worst. <clears throat> they see all of these things and they're remembering it. He's coming into the city and they're remembering who he is and they're shouting out Hosanna because of all the things they have seen him do. I love this story because it's so personal. It quits being this quiet, private faith to they're out. They are in it. They're active players in the drama that is unfolding before us. They're not afraid. They're shouting out, who cares if the Romans are on the hill? Where are you in this story? I'm shouting Hosanna. And I'll shout Hosanna the rest of my life. I used to live in an apartment off of Mars Boulevard when I was in college. And I told bits and pieces of this story, and I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole thing now, but 
I went on what's called a walk to Emmaus retreat, and it was actually um, for, for college-age kids, and I went kind of skeptical, kind of cynical, and I was standing in the back of the room watching people shout their hosannas, essentially. And I was really curious, like, what is going on? Why are these people freaking out so much? What's the big deal? And as John Wesley says, his heart was strangely warm. The Holy Spirit took over my life. And it was as if I heard the voice of God say to me, the things you're holding on to, you don't need them. Let them go. They're taken from you anyway. Sisters and brothers, my life changed. I was called out of the darkness and into the wonderful light in that moment, and I have not looked back. But I can tell you story after story after story of seeing people changed by an encounter with the risen Christ. Where they lay all politics aside, and they lay all of that stuff that doesn't matter aside, and they just remember who Jesus was. That he welcomed everybody into the kingdom of God. And they shout Hosanna. Did they get it wrong? Of course they got it wrong. But that's the beautiful thing about this story to me. It's not that they shouted Hosanna on Sunday and crucify on Friday. Good. Because they were bringing what they had, what they understood. They were doing the best they could with it. They weren't worried about perfection and being right. They were living wholeheartedly into every single day, every single moment of their lives, and it matters. Friends, it matters. Sometimes, I think we hold back. Not just our praises to God, but we hold back our lives. Because we're afraid. Palm Sunday, there was no fear. Palm Sunday, they got it wrong, yes. They thought Jesus was coming in as a conquering king. They didn't understand that Jesus' judgment is love. And that conquering to Jesus is conquering our fears of living wholehearted lives. Because what Jesus calls us to is the best we can do. Our best efforts. The most love that we can pour out, that's what Jesus calls us to. And is it going to be perfect? No, we're going to miss the point sometimes. But guess what? There's this idea within the Methodist Church and within Wesleyan Christianity called sanctifying grace. And it's the idea that whatever we do is good enough. That God takes our best actions and perfects them. So, you don't have to be afraid. Because what ends up happening is your love is taken. Your actions of grace are taken and received and God perfects them for you. All we're called to do is shout Hosanna. Second Peter says this. 
the one who called us of the, of the mighty deeds of the one who called us out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. The prophet Micah says, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And all these other things, they're going to work themselves out. God is the God of love and grace, not us being perfect. And it matters. Because if we can live without fear, we can live wholehearted lives. And we can be the ones who wave our palms in the air, as Stuart reminds us, like we just don't care. Because who cares what the world around us when we know the one who called us out of the cave and changed our lives and still changes people's lives every day. I love this story. I love it because it's grimy, dirt under your fingernails, needing lava soap and a scrub brush to get them clean. I love this story because it's real. It shows us that the ancient people who followed Jesus are just like us today. And the gospel is, you are enough. Your praises are enough. Your actions are enough. Bring what you've got. And don't forget, you are not the message. You are just the one who carries the messenger. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.